Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I was joined by Johnny Mack from Washington Backcountry, who has a really cool platform that actually takes people out hunting for the first time, introduces people to hunters that maybe want to be a mentor to a new hunter. And uh, we're talking adults, kids, it doesn't really matter. It's a really cool uh, platform, who is also a fairly new hunter starting at age 29 himself. And uh, just really appreciate the conversation and the perspective that he provided and uh, just just the, the service of hunter recruitment that he's doing in Washington and the plans that he has. It's really cool. Uh, so for somebody that has got into hunting, bow hunting at age 29, and then uh, as you'll hear, uh, didn't have success for his first two years, or actually four years, I think, it was pretty cool to hear his experience and how he stuck with it. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, one quick message is that if you haven't yet and you want to become a patron, www.patreon.com slash onpointpodcast. That will get you to the link uh, to where if you want to become a patron, the benefits of doing that, you can actually steer the conversation. You can let me know, hey, ask this guy this, and I will get those questions answered for you. Um, you know, there's any any level of, of, of patronage if that's even a word, uh, gets you into that exclusive, right? And then also you're going to know ahead of time what my schedule is for podcasting so you know when I'm going when I'm going to be doing a podcast that you're definitely going to be interested in or a guest that you have questions for. Also what that does is it helps support the show so I can buy better equipment so I can be able to afford to grow the podcast and all that money that you give to Patreon goes directly back into the podcast and helps get information to the people who need it. So I really appreciate everybody listening to this thing. And uh, I really had a great time recording with John. He's a great guy. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy. I'll see you at the end of the episode. Um, but all right, man, well, what do you say we get this thing rolling? Well, let's do it. So give me give me a quick intro real quick. Your elevator sales pitch of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my name is Johnny Mack. I am the owner operator of Washington Backcountry. It is a, a group, a social media web-based group that is dedicated to the advancement of hunting through uh, recruitment and mentorship for, for new hunters. So when you say recruitment, you guys are trying to get people into the sport? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I I started hunting when I was 29. I'm what you would consider or be called a an adult onset hunter. Uh, <laughs> someone someone who who did not have the opportunity to learn it uh, through their childhood. And so um, that's really I interesting. So, what made you want to get into it at age 29? What was the yeah. catalyst for that? So you know, I believe that innate within each human there's certain characteristics and, and motives that drive people. And for me, uh, being in the wild is where I would find myself. And I think being a hunter is a part of being in the wild and, and, you know, being a man, not that to make this a male female thing, just me as an individual, but there's that sense of wanting to accomplish things 
and the sense to want to take care of things. And I think all that gets wrapped up into, into why I wanted to become a hunter. Interesting. So did you have much experience with like eating venison and wild game meat or did you know anybody that was even into it prior? (laughs) No. So, so the first time I had any type of wild game meat, I was probably 26, 27 years old. My brother, my brother, uh, used to be in the news. He was a, a news reporter and he got hired in San Antonio, Texas. And so, you know, part of the South Texas culture of, you know, you can hunt before you go to work because you go sit in a blind in front of a deer feeder and all that stuff. And so he actually was able to shoot a couple deer and a hog down in Texas. But, but even from that, he never truly passed it on to me. But I, when I went down there, I got to try some of his deer for the very first time. Hmm. That's, that's freaking awesome. I mean, it's funny that you talk about Texas because I just got invited here recently, um, to go down there and hunt for the first time. And, and I'm a little nervous, not only because you know, it's, I've never hunted that kind of stuff before, uh, or the ways that they hunt before, but, um, God, it's, I, you, you talking about Texas has just already got me buzzing <laughs> to go. I'm like, it's in December next year. So is your, oh, buddy, yeah. is your, is your brother still living down there? No, my brother actually lives up here and, um, and he, when he has tried to hunt up here in the Northwest, he hasn't even seen any of his quarry that he's searched after when he's, when he's hunted. So really? it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of ironic that, you know, you can call yourself a hunter or be a hunter. Um, but the understanding of knowledge from region to region, uh, doesn't, doesn't transfer very well. So when did he, when did he move back up here and has he found success yet? Nope. He, he has yet to find success. And actually <laughs> I'm taking him out tomorrow to do a, a predator hunt. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it being cold and month of January, we can, <laughs> we can get on some predators. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, you're hitting a lot of areas that I've had on my mind lately. Cause it's, it's January, um, now and, and my area got closed to, to predator hunting for, uh, for um well for bears now but for cougars because they hit the quota and um i'm like man i really want to go out like all all i you know predators are a problem here in oregon it's not it's not a secret but i want to be a part of the solution rather than just keep bitching about it like if you bitch about something without a solution you're just you're just complaining you're not being part of the solution right and uh i i really want to go out i don't care if it's with a gun i just want to go out and try and call one in but i want to do it with my bow uh, oh yeah, with a, with a predator call that would be so cool. And I know around here, um, I've heard of actually quite a few guys using Fox Pros, um, you know, trying to call in something, and then here comes a cougar. Yep, so, it, it can be done. It yeah. can be done. I haven't, I, you know, obviously being new to hunting, I haven't had too many different experiences like that. But I believe it's going to happen at some point. So you said you started at twenty nine, and. Yep. Uh, how so, old are you now? So I started at 29. I'm 34 right now. So I turned 35 this May. And uh, it took me four years 
to be able to finally notch my first big game tag. And it was with a rifle, actually, uh, in the back country of Washington, uh, nine miles deep, and it was on a black it was on a black bear of all of all animals. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which some people hunt all their lives and still have yet to kill a bear, um, and it's just ironic that that was the first animal that I I could get my hands on. Yeah. Well, what what also strikes me about that statement is that you're nine miles deep and you're just starting out so (laughs) it's like you (laughs) dove straight into it it's like here we go (laughs) (laughs) right well you know i i had a backpacking um background i used to work for rei uh while i was a new teacher and just out of college and all that and so I love backpacking. I love fishing. I love, that's where, you know, I knew that I wanted to be a hunter because I love the wild. I love going to wild places and being in the wilderness. Um, but uh, what I didn't realize when you become a hunter, animals aren't around every corner. <laughs> when, you're, <laughs> no. when, you're, when you're in the wilderness, they are a lot harder to find than you would expect. So you my question is another one. So when you started out, because um, at that age, uh, probably went out with somebody. Did you go out by yourself? Uh, for backpacking? No, for hunting, like your first year. Oh, right. Yeah. So I I had no uh, real mentorship. I married uh, my wife. Her father, her father hunted, but he is in his 70s. And he just doesn't, you know, it's not as easy. The game has changed a little bit. I went out with him a couple times, uh, muzzleloader hunting for deer. Mm-hmm. And, Probably just driving and, around and stuff. Or Yeah, yeah, more or less. And he was like, man, this, you know, doesn't look like it like it used to. And I'm like, well, that, that paints my father-in-law in a bad light. And that's not what I mean, but you know, that, it kind of goes to show it's like, yeah, you know, the forest grows up and yep. the you know, re- regulations change and things just aren't like they used to be. It's funny you say that. Cause the bull that I killed this year, um, was actually pretty darn close to where I was cutting my teeth elk hunting and it was thick reprod. And, um, it was it was pretty it, it was just when i funny when i started they were saplings and now they're like 20 foot tall 30 foot tall trees or not even 20 yeah probably 20 foot tall trees and it was like man <laughs> stuff changes and if you're not on top of it i mean a 10 year old unit mm, you're you're starting to get pretty thick right and and the animals that were hanging out in in that time when it was younger you know have moved on to di- different locations yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. That's, no, that's funny, you know, cause, um, it, also one thing that I've noticed cause I've, I've hunted the same, well, the same area for almost my whole life is after they cut a unit, um, you can see all of their trails that were going through the timber in there. And then mm-hmm. for the, for another month or two, they're, they're going to keep using those trails because, and, and, and this is just my opinion, but they've been like the habit they, they're in the habit of using those escape trails. And so until they figure out, no, this is what we're going to do now. You'll catch him out in the middle of a unit, you know, just that has nothing there for him, but they're running through this unit on an, on a trail that they, that was there prior to being cut until they get out of that habit. 
it's really, really, really interesting. Um, it, that, that's good perspective. I yeah, like yeah, that. I've seen it. I've seen it tons, tons, tons of times. Um, my buddies, uh, the guy that taught me how to elk hunt with a bow, um, actually <laughs> was hunting an area that just got logged. I think the year before that, I don't, I don't, they hadn't planted it back yet. And, uh, there was a big six point with a herd of cows running one of those old trails and they pretty much shot them, pulled over and shot them. I mean, it was like blind luck, but not completely because they knew that was an escape route and they were, they were hunting that area and, and there was a lot of, a lot of pressure and it kind of just, I don't know, it's just educated, it's just a, kind of an educated guess. And, and those elk were still on the habit of yeah. using that trail. So just, it's just really interesting perspective there. But, um, so you started with a rifle. So I started and, with a rifle and, um, so I didn't have anyone else that hunted. My brother was busy trying to pursue his career um, and he wasn't familiar with how to hunt the, the Northwest. And so we, uh, I recruited some buddies with me and I was like, Hey man, you guys want to get your hunters, hunter safety going. And, and they, they started and ended up making a connection and, and finding a spot that was good for bear. And on that hunt, that kind of started it, but I ran into a group of other hunters and they ended up telling me and they're like, Hey, listen, if you really want to hunt elk, you gotta, you gotta do it with a bow. That's, that's the, <laughs> the, the true, the true way and your best chances. And I was like, well, shoot, I've been hunting for four years and I just now killed an animal. I want to, I want to shorten my learning curve as, as much as possible. And this is, so it's 2000, this is just a year, a year or so ago. So that fall, the born and raised series land of the free came out mm-hmm. and I, and I got to watch of what archery elk hunting is all about. <laughs> and I was, I was like, okay, okay. I get this. I want that experience. And mm-hmm. so, uh, this last January, a year ago, I bought a bow, got it in my hands probably around February or March, uh, from a great guy. So I live uh, 20 minutes north of Seattle, and I was driving three and a half hours to a guy to get to get a bow down in Aberdeen, Washington. Hmm. And and uh, because I, you know, hey, who's your bow guy? Who would you trust? Who do you go to? And they're like, I go to Matt Schmidt's of Bull of the Woods Archery, and I was like, okay, done. I don't care how long of a drive it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see him. You're lucky and they so didn't I, say the bow rack, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, that's deep so, in Oregon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, shoot, I probably would have saved a little tax. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, so I go down there, and he's showing me what a bow is, and you know all this different stuff, and and I mean, listen, I, I'm a newbie and and a rookie, but I understand things. So I'm shooting, and I'm like, dude, this is this is great. And so after a couple more trips and, you know, calling or messaging Jason Phelps on Instagram and saying, Hey, what diaphragms do you recommend for a new person? And, and all of that, I was, I was full gung ho on, uh, on trying to archery elk hunt. That's pretty cool. So you went straight to, to Phelps. Um, that's, that's the same calls I use too, man. I've used primos for years and, uh, even the ones that, 
that guys make fun of the Blue Reed Terminator bugle, and uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, you know I just called in bowl after bowl after bowl with that thing uh, when we started going over Eastern Oregon, and then just kind of just seeing like where the calls have progressed to now where I use Phelps calls. Um, use bugling, bugling bull calls. Uh, I like supporting the Jacobson, um, Corey Jacobson. That's, I think his yep. dad's Rocky, Rocky Jacobson, Rocky Jacobson. Yep. And, uh, good guys over there. And then finally just have kind of landed on Phelps and, and really appreciate, you know, what he does. And, and, uh, he's such a cool guy. And I feel like I'm supporting local, even though he's not to me. <laughs> but, right. Right. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I figured, you know, he's a local guy. I can go to him for questions, and he tends to respond to everything, every question you, you give him. Yeah. You know, another guy that's like that uh, is Aaron Snyder. That guy is yeah. so reachable. It's crazy. Like, you, th- you figured he'd be busy. He's a busy guy, but he's still, like, if you have a question about a pack, um, he was answering them. Like, for me personally, when I, back when I was looking at packs, it was like, dude, what are you doing answering my questions? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Shouldn't you be pawning me off on like one of your minions? But no, he. I mean, it's just that mentality of those guys, and it's kind of, kind of funny how those are the companies um, that that are really growing right right now. The ones that are taking time to actually do that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's amazing how specifically Instagram. You could say social media, but Instagram mm-hmm. is the absolute catalyst for uh, business but yet at the same time making every single person reachable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You wouldn't believe how many times I've had actually business conversations through the, uh, through the direct messages. Like that's you know, how you and I started messaging. Yeah. That, that's exactly you and I started connecting. Uh, I was, so a part of the, my Washington backcountry journey, uh, I started writing a book, um, last spring about the same time I got a bow in my hand and, I was writing, writing about my journey to becoming a hunter and the story of me killing my black bear and it, all the rookie mistakes of me trying to pack out a black bear solo with Cape included nine miles to the car in one trip and mm. like just, just ridiculous. Well, uh, during, during that time I was trying to do research for mentorship for hunters and, and why did I never have a mentor or why are there no mentorship opportunities for hunters? And so I started researching and I was like, oh, there's some guy out in Montana that uh, mentored a hunter and I'm going to reach out to him and see if he has an Instagram account. So I, I, I hit him up and just, you know, unload some questions on him and, and then with the, are you this guy? And it turned out <laughs> uh, being the editor in chief of Outdoor Life magazine. And all of a sudden oh, really? him and I were having conversations back and forth and I was like, wow, this is incredible who you can get a hold of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's it's really cool and I got to say I think it's because especially in the bow world it's it's hard and guys understand how hard it is to start off and no one really I mean you got to earn your stars and stripes at some point on your own but being yeah. able to help speed up that process for guys I think that's really rewarding for guys that have already been down that path or like dude let me help you. <laughs> you know, like definitely, definitely. And a part of my journey is I wanted to speed up the process of me 
in my learning curve to therefore be able to help others. And so uh, my elk hunt in this year, I was able to, my, the very first time I ever shot an antlered animal, I've yet to even shoot a deer. Uh, what was, uh, was a beautiful six by six Western Washington bull that, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> came in and, uh, and pretty much changed, changed my life and, and just how I look at hunting. Um, but it was all with the bow and calling them in and, and all that. But I, what I did is I had to go, I wanted to go an expensive route to shorten the learning curve. And so I, I ended up uh, doing a trade with an outfitter where I, I traded a really high end rifle away to, to get uh, uh, a guided, a guided hunt on public land. So even though, even though it was a public land hunt, I had someone with me who could, I could constantly ask questions to, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You know, and, and I gained a lot of insight on how to hunt and, and how to hunt elk specifically because of going through that process. So that's, that's really interesting. I see, um, like on some of the Facebook pages, like elk addicts guys are starting to get into elk hunting and they want to hire an outfitter to speed up that learning curve. Like you've done. Um, do you feel that you got your money's worth, um, out of that? I mean, you killed the bull and all, but do you feel like you learned enough to make, to really make it worth it? Man, I'd say, first off, thanks for asking that question because that was the internal struggle that I had. And I remember talking with my wife and being like, you know, Megan, I want to advance Washington backcountry and I want to learn more about hunting and I want to be able to mentor people. But um, is it worth trading a material value for something mm-hmm. untangible? We, we can't go like, any further without you telling me what kind of was this like a Gunworks? <laughs> no, this? so it was a it was a Christensen Arms okay. uh, AR10 platform with a Trigicon scope on it, and it you know the carbon fiber barrel and yep, you know, yep, Those it, are sweet it, guns. So I traded that gun straight for a thirty five hundred dollar elk hunt. Okay, you yeah, know, just to, just to put a value on it. Yeah, that seems pretty um, fair. I'm like wondering, I'm like, man, what kind of he- heck of a gun is he shooting here? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Don't, I'm not that rich. I've I've acquired things <laughs> through trades a lot of a lot of times in my life. That's um, so. Back back to uh, was it worth it? <laughs> was it was it worth it? Yeah, it was like I'm never truly going to be able to afford a gun like that moving forward in the future. So is it worth me giving this up for the potential of not actually shooting an elk? Mm-hmm. And going into it, I said, absolutely. Uh, when I had my experience with my outfitter, even though I shot an elk, I still felt very uh, dissatisfied with the whole process. It was the outfitter industry is very interesting. And you better do your research on on your outfitter because I learned a lot about just how people – you know, it's a customer service industry mm-hmm. and you know, there's a, there's a lot of shadiness that can happen in that, in that industry if they don't like you. I want to ask you, um, more in depth to, to elaborate on, cause I know outfitters here locally that, um, you know, they're, they're great people. Um, and 
before you get into your story here, because I, I have a feeling there's a little bit of um, not a good experience with this. Um, I want to preface this because I, I know outfitters that are great guys. I've, I've hunted with one outfitter before in my life um, in, in Africa. And, uh, it, you know, it wasn't all positive. And uh, most of it was. But I, I'm just curious to, to hear from somebody's perspective, you know, what kind of things would you suggest looking into prior to booking something like that? Cause I've never actually booked one in, in the, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what, what kind of left you feeling that there was more meat left on the bone from that experience? Oh man. Let's see. This is going to turn into a couple hour podcast. Just uh, now talking about all this, <laughs> we're, we're going to can of worms. So first okay. and foremost, uh, the outfitter reached out to me. I was selling my gun and they were the one that reached out to me and offered offered a trade and uh, there's a forum for the state of Washington in regards to hunters and uh, there there was one very upset customer that left a review on that forum and it created a, a long argument a digital argument uh, between the out the outfitter and and the people and so I guys tried were busting do, out the popcorn emojis. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I was like, oh shoot, you know, this guy obviously upset somebody, whether it was for the right reason or wrong reason, but someone left unsatisfied. Um, and this guy's reaching out to me. Is it? Is this really going to be worth it? Uh, but at the same time, I can't be picky and be like, hey to an outfitter that's really well known. Hey, can I trade you this for that? <laughs> you know, because they're trying to make a livelihood also. And I, and I understand that, but, uh, so, so that was like the first hiccup. Um, the second, the second hiccup was trying to coordinate the days in which we were hunting. And there's just a huge lack of communication going into the hunt. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm a school teacher by trade and in my school district, they only allow us to take unpaid time off once every five years. And I had to put in for this the previous school year. And so for me to take a week off in September at the beginning of school, it was, it was a major ordeal to take, you know, go seven days in the woods and leave leave a substitute with my classes at the beginning of school year. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, about uh, two weeks prior to our hunt, he calls, calls me up and is like, Hey, uh, we're canceling the hunt because of fire danger. And I'm like, Oh man, well, you know, uh, is there anything, anything else we can do or anywhere else we can go? It's, it's you know, I understand I traded you something uh, you know, if this hunt's going to be canceled, I don't have the ability to do it next year or move it back to different times. So I'm going to need that rifle back, you know, mm -hmm. which typically there's a deposit on hunts and all that. So I understand how at some point trading for something changed it rather than, you know, a non-refundable deposit versus the full effect. And so he was like, well, uh, yeah, let me, let me see what I can, what I can do. And so he ended up, uh, getting back to me. He's like, Hey, the hunt's still on. We're going to go to this new location. And I'm like, Oh, okay. 
So a part of my Washington backcountry thing that I do is I run social engagements and I like to throw, uh, well, similar to like BHA pint nights where people come together for a common cause of public lands and pub- public waters. Uh, my social engagements are for people to build community and make connections in the hunting world, whether it's uh, newbies to veterans or people just needing hunting partners or whatever it is. Uh, I, I saw a need for that. And so I started throwing uh, social engagements. Well, at my August engagement, uh, I had a guy ask me about my hunt that I had coming up and he was like, Hey, you're not using that blah, blah, blah outfitter. And I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, Oh man, I've heard really horrible things about him. And I was like, no, <laughs> so yeah. it, just, it just totally like left me with a pit, uh, feeling in my stomach. And I was like, okay, well, I hope it's all worth it. And so it's kind of long winded, but, um, go, go meet the guy. He's like, yeah, I'll meet you there at 9am. Uh, sharp. We'll pack in on horseback, all that, you know, he's an hour late to the trailhead, which, hmm. you know, I was like, the communication was so poor that I'm like, is he even going to show up today? You know, normally really? if someone's late, they're late and, and whatnot. But, but so that started it off sour. And then when we, we pack in, what I realized was we are using a trail to get to this wilderness area that there's an ATV trail that parallels it, that you can drive a quarter mile from where our wall tents were set up. <laughs> and so actually on our, on our hunt, we had our camps broken into and had stuff stolen from us. You're kidding me. No, not kidding. How far back there were you off of the trailhead? Uh, that was another thing. So, you know, packing in on horse, you're thinking, Oh man, you know, I, I I think I'm going to go probably eight miles because that's the distance at which someone is going to want to ride a horse versus, you know, walk in typically. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, we ended up going, I think three and a half to four miles in. That's it. That's it. Huh? Is how bad, how bad was the country? Uh, beautiful country, but we ended up camping right on a lake. And here's a part of the other story is all because of the fires in the state of Washington, all the people that were hiking the Pacific crest trail in the state of Washington were being diverted down the exact same trail that we were camped on and hunting. Hmm. And this is, I feel like is just even part of the story in its own, own right. But a, a quarter mile from where I shot my bull, we asked uh, 30 backpackers that, well, 30 backpackers were camped there the morning that we passed a quarter mile from where I shot my bull and bugled it in. Really? Uh, but the night before we asked some hikers, Hey, will you please just wait to set up camp here? We'll even pay you money, but this is prime hunting area and the wind isn't right. So that's why we're not here. Otherwise we would be sitting in that camp. And they're like, oh, no, man, we've been coming here for years. This is public land. We can do what we want. I'm like, okay, well, so the relationship between hikers and hunters was, was in public land users was interesting. <laughs> and I, I started to get this feeling. I was like, well, we're not that far in. This is, this is kind of an issue. 
So needless to say, uh, you know, my, my guide was when I showed up to camp, he's wearing blue jeans and a, and a sweatshirt. And my guide didn't wear camo the entire trip, which hmm. from, you know, being new, I'm like, especially archery hunting, you want to get awesome. camoed up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as long as that's at least what I thought. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who is this guy? And so luckily I brought, um, my, uh, my diaphragms, my Phelps diaphragm. So I brought a gray, a gray reed and, uh, a white reed. And my guide only had one diaphragm with him. You're, wow. Huh? I just know weird. <laughs> yeah. No bugle tube. It turns out through conversation down the road that he didn't even know he was doing this until, uh, 10 days prior to our hunt. So he's never been to that location. No bulls are patterned, no game cameras, no, no nothing. Uh, and so just really, I was extremely fortunate to take my bull, but I even had an issue with, uh, with the meat, uh, as far as getting it back from the, the outfitter when the hunt was all over. Interesting. And, and, and the fact that you're talking about him not having camel, you know, I, I don't believe it's it's a huge deal. Um, more, it's more for performance wear rather than um, actually concealing yourself, in my opinion. Because if you look at hunting elk like Jurassic Park, Tyrannosaurus Rex, it's all about movement. <laughs> and right. Fred Bear, Fred Bear <laughs> says the same thing. You know, like stillness is your best camo. Well, that's that is absolutely spot on. You know, like and I just look at it like you know. Jurassic Park rules don't move then he can't see you and <laughs> oh yeah and you <laughs> and know it's so funny I, I've heard you say that on your oh are you there are you there yeah sorry uh oh, no worries um I've heard you say that on your podcast before about mm -hmm. about camo and it's one of those things that as a new hunter you're just trying to figure it out and you know, I haven't even been in the opportunity until that moment in which I truly needed camouflage or what I thought I needed. Well, I'll tell you that, the, you know, from a, from a guide's perspective and having from, from my understanding and granted you can't broad, broad stroke it and, and just cover the whole map with this, but also looking the part as a guide is, is part of the business having all, having, you know, the appearance that you're, on top of your shit that you that you have good gear that you have extra reads you know that all goes into the hunt and and, and the client's perception and it, it just all it's 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 a lot of it's just a mind game but um i know guys that you know they may not believe in the camo but they gotta look the part and, well i uh, <laughs> that so i i i do like to have fun when i hunt and so I had a buddy, I was like, dude, let's put face paint on. And he's like, no way, man. I'm like, oh, come on. It's like getting into costume. You know, like it's a part <laughs> of what you're doing just for the experience and the fun of it. Mm -hmm. You know, so so I totally get that. I did face paint for the first time this year, and I've hunted, for, you know, since, you know, my earliest memories are out in the woods. And, and it's just my buddy and his wife wanted to put on face paint. I'm like, okay, if we see, I think the deal was like, if we get a bugle here, 
oh, and only here, I'll put on face paint. And then I ended up having to put on face paint. <laughs> and it looked like I was fighting fire. It just looked like I had soot all over my face. It wasn't, there was no pattern. <laughs> right. It looked like Zoolander coming out of the cave. <laughs> well, yeah. After watching like Born and Raised series where, where Trent has face paint on all the time. And then you got Trevor who looks like the Incredible Hulk. I was like, okay, I'm going to have some fun with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, the, my favorite one for the whole series was, um, God, it was Casey's uh, Ninja Turtle uh, bandit y- yes, mask. Yes, yes. I was like, <laughs> my, my wife said something. She's like, is that? I'm like, that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it was pretty funny. Like, I, I specifically made her watch that part of that episode. She, we, you know, we were both cracking up about it. But that's part of the fun. I mean, it, well, it's, so, it's if, just. If you're not enjoying yourself, why are you doing it? Exactly. Exactly. So go on. Uh, keep keep going. So that was that was basically a lot of it was just the 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 small details, and I I can I can I can understand not you know expecting thirty hikers to come down the trail because they got rerouted. I mean I I understand that. I mean how would a guy know that? Right. But you know the rest of it. That just that just doesn't seem like you're being um, hashtag on point, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, well played. <laughs> I get, yeah, <laughs> I had to sneak that in there. Um, so I, I I mean, and for me, when when I one of the only hunts that I've actually ever spent money on, you know, um, was last year, and the pressure to actually fill my tag. I I don't know if I could be somebody that pays thousands of dollars to go to go hunting because. I would put so much pressure on myself to fill that tag rather than just ex- than, than just enjoying all of it, you know. Like, right. Right. Man, that that would be tough. I mean, I I want to go on some of these amazing hunts, but at the same time, <clears throat> ugh, you know, like I went over there to kill a kudu this year. I only saw one one giant bull. It was the only bull we saw the whole trip, and luckily we had other things, and that was just a side animal. But I still felt pressure. I like. I really, I don't know if I'll ever be back. I really want to, I really want a chance at a kudu. And, uh, well, well, you know, it's, I equate it to gambling, right? If mm. you're okay with sitting at a blackjack table and enjoying it for the process that it is, mm-hmm. and you're okay with losing that money and going home because you paid for that entertainment, you know, good for you. But, uh, you know, my time is valuable and, and, it's hard to justify giving up that much money for something like that. It is. It is. So, you know, and for guys that are going to go on a, on a hunt, and this is coming from somebody yeah. that hasn't gone on a bunch of them, um, you know, just make sure you're aware. Are you spending enough or too much to where you're going to take away? It's just like guys who draw coveted elk tags or a bighorn sheep right. tag. Or, right. you know, there's so much pressure to fill that tag because you're the only guy that has it, and that's the only time you're ever going to get it. You know, I mean, I've seen guys that, like my brother had a bighorn sheep um, tag, and the pressure at some points, you know, just took the fun out of it for him. Yeah. Um, you know, he did kill one, but it was just a different dynamic. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, a part of, a part of what I haven't told you was I had a buddy who he was from the state of Washington, but he lives out in North Dakota. And when he learned that I was going to do this hunt, he was like, dude, I've always wanted to, uh, you know, hunt. And now this is a guy who I met in college and was one of my, one of my good buddies, but he, him and I never had the opportunity to 
hunt and he never took the time and I was too busy doing other things in my life um, to, to learn how to hunt from him. So he, he flew from North Dakota and paid the actual money to go on this hunt with me. And really? the, the only elk we saw and the, the only elk we saw and only animals we saw for an entire week in the woods was the bull and the cows that were with it when I shot it. That's incredible. <laughs> and, uh, and here, here's a, I just got to give a shout out to him. My buddy, Jeff, um, we flipped a coin for who was the first shooter, but we did it by days rather than, than, uh, opportunities. And so he won and I shot my bull on day two. So he, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, oh, he, so he's a good friend because he actually had the bull broadside at 30 yards before I even, uh, saw its head. I saw its antlers, uh, over a hill, a little knob, but, but he held out and, and he let me have that opportunity, man. You know, that's a tough one. I mean, cause first of all, you don't know if you're going to get the shot. Second of all, that's an opportunity that, that, you know, the wind could change at any minute, anything could happen. Somebody could bust. There could be, you know, a coyote that runs through there and spooks them. There's so many different variables. Another bull could, you know, come in. There's just, that'd be really hard not to take a shot. So that speaks volumes of that dude. I know just, he, he is a legitimate, a legitimate friend and, and an awesome person in general. So, yeah. uh, but I could tell he was absolutely crushed at the end of our end of our hunt to not even see another animal. You know, this was, uh, day one, we saw sign, we saw tracks day two, I shot mine and we still have five days left and we never saw another, another animal. That's tough. Yeah. It sounds like you got lucky. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, with what you saw after that, the amount of traffic you were having in there, um, all the other, all the other variables, it sounds like you guys kind of hit the jackpot. Yeah. And I, and going back to the whole outfitter thing, you know, it, it turns out that, you know, the outfitter, he didn't want to lose, lose what he had and, and tried to throw us on a spot real quick without knowing much. And it, it was just kind of sad, you know, I'm very fortunate that, uh, and blessed that I was able to, to take that elk. Uh, you know, haven't bought, haven't bought beef at all this year. <laughs> did you, uh, did you happen to put a tape on him yet? Uh, no, I have not. Um, I'm actually looking at him. He's hanging on my wall right now. I'm going to have a shoulder mount done. My wife was like, uh, you know, in 50 years when we're sitting in recliners, what are you going to want to look at a Euro mount or a shoulder mount? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Thanks for the support. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. my, everyone that I was with and people that have seen it, they say it's, uh, probably a little over probably three ten or something like that. Three fifteen. Holy crap. Jesus. Yeah. But, but a you mature, a mature bull. That's yeah. For first bull. Yeah. That's actually would have been my, about the size of my bull. I, I killed last year if I would have found him. Um, he was, he was everything dreams are made of man and he was only like 310 <laughs> you know, like, 
guys are, right. you know guys are talking about trying to hit like a 400 inch mark i'm like dude i'll take a 280 <laughs> well shoot That's not even <laughs> never even shooting a deer before i'm like if it's legal i'm shooting it i don't care you know yeah. and yeah, so, you're doing it backwards man you're supposed to start off on like squirrels and then a deer and then <laughs> well, right and well that's so people have been like hey man you might as well stop hunting because you're never going to shoot another bull ever again that's once in a lifetime I'm like oh come on man i'm just getting started but uh there you go but i didn't went so getting into the actual shot and the calling sequence of of how it all went down was uh we bumped some cows right off of a trail that were uphill and um, we figured, you know, being September, there had to be a bull with those cows or somewhere, somewhere near. And so, uh, one of the cool things that I did learn from my guide, which this is invaluable is, uh, his, how he called to get the bull to come. And, you know, we didn't locate, we weren't locate bugling. Uh, oh, yeah, we, big old lit ball. Yeah. So what, what we did bugle. is he ended up just using both my both my diaphragms but uh was cow calling to the cows but going back and forth between both diaphragms that sound like two different elk mm-hmm. which which was for me i was like oh that's a that's a great concept and i to be honest i have no idea how many other hunters use that or if they just stick with the one diaphragm but i was like dude a bull's gonna want to come for more than just one way more uh, especially if he thinks they're left behind. And so as soon as that bull that we didn't know was there, but we hoped let off that uh, roundup bugle, uh, he, he cut him off with a bugle and then it was game on. And he got absolutely pissed, you know, from, from, he started raking, he started bugling and he closed the distance to us so fast to the point where I actually never even counted how many points the bull had when I shot. I didn't know it was a six by six. I just knew it had antler points and it was legal. (laughs) And, and so, so when I drew back, uh, and I held and he stood broadside uphill on me and, and I had the absolute shakes. I, Oh baby, you know, from shooting that to a, a block target and only ever shooting a bear prior to that, uh, it was quite an experience to draw back on a bull. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty all over the place now or never. And I don't want to wait too long. So I tried to steady myself and just let one fly. And, <laughs> and I ended up, I hate to say it, but I ended up front shouldering him. My, my elevation was fantastic. Um, but, but I ended up going just a little too far forward. And before the, before that day, I remember talking to the guide and I was like, well, how do you, how do you know if you got a kill shot on an elk or not? And he was like, well, if they run uphill, it, you're not getting them. But if they run downhill, you, you got them. And so my bull ended up coming downhill right past me and I Mm. instantly knocked another arrow and my second shot, I double lunged them pass through and all I heard was a whack and, and my buddy comes running down the trail and he was like, where did you put that second arrow? You know, this is the guy that passed up a 30 yard broadside shot. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, where'd you put that second arrow? I was like, I have no idea. I swear I was right on him, but all I heard was a tree. And mm-hmm. it, tur- it turned out that my arrow was stuck in a tree uh, on the other side of the elk with a complete pass through. And my, Dude, my elk, my elk p- piled up about uh, 150 yards away. That's so, dude, you just brings back memories from when my buddy killed his first bull two years ago. And I'm actually already, I can tell you right now, I'm going to post on Instagram a video of us trying to pull the arrow out of the tree while you're (laughs) talking about that. (laughs) It's going to go perfect. Uh, That's going to be, dude, that's so cool. And so tell me, I'm curious about your setup now. So tell me what your bow setup was. So I, I don't really feel like I have monkey arms, but I have a 31 and a half inch draw. Holy balls. And so, and so I am six one, but a 31 and a half inch draw and I'm shooting a 70 pound, uh, PSC carbon stealth. And mm-hmm. so with a hundred grain Exodus broadhead, 350 shaft, uh, carbon express arrows, and so I'm pushing, uh, I chronoed my arrows before my hunt at around, I was getting anywhere from 298 to 302 feet per second. What was your overall arrow uh, weight? Uh, I, n- I never weighed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I wish I, I had those details. Um, so 350 vein, I cut it down to uh, 28 and a half inches. Okay, what was the GPI? Um, man. What kind of arrow was it again? Uh, Carbon Express 350. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, ma- uh, sorry, Maxima Red. Maxima Red okay. Spine. So, um, but a lot of a lot of kinetic energy to the point where that first arrow hit the br- the shoulder and just absolutely destroyed it. Really? Did you get? Uh, did you go through the shoulder? I went through the shoulder, but uh, the arrow ended up coming back out of it. But when we when we were butchering them and and, and uh, skinning them, he had nothing left of that shoulder blade. It was Dude, that's just, crazy. Yeah, so it was kind of funny, you know. When I shot when I shot that and saw it, I instantly thought about your broadhead test that you did with Born and Raised on your YouTube channel and how they were trying to shoot through the the um, cow, cow shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, okay. they're ripping, they're <laughs> ripping through that just fine. Uh huh. I'll tell you, it, it takes a lot of energy, uh, to get through that. And, and, you know, even to this day, guys are like, Oh, I, I guarantee I'll get through. I'm like, man, you, if we're talking elk here, I, I think it's a crapshoot and you're counting on a little bit of luck, you know, getting through a freaking elk shoulder. Cause I think a lot of that depends on how the animal has, weight on that shoulder on that leg or whether yep. it's going to absorb it um you know differently yeah. than if it doesn't there's so many variables you can't just say i aim for the shoulder and i get through it every time because deer yeah sure I, I i believe that but elk are a different beast and that's oh just, yeah well uh, you, you know you relate it to if someone punches you in the stomach and you're not flexing it hurts a whole lot more versus when you're flexing and yeah. you can you can stop the punch. It's a, yeah. So that weight on that shoulder that makes total sense. Yeah, and 
you know, that's a really good analogy. I've never heard that analogy before. So I'm guessing your arrow um, with a 9.1 GPI, you'd be about 415 grains, um, yeah. which is what uh, the same way I shot for six or seven years. And I was getting pass-throughs on animals at, you know, 70 plus yards. I, I never shot anything past that with that arrow, but um, even out to 70 yards, pass-throughs on deer, no problem. But we're talking blacktail, not freaking mule deer. Yeah. Um, but it's... And that was shooting like 262 feet per second, <laughs> not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, uh, and how so, do you, how did you like that Exodus head? Cause that's going to be one of the new heads that I use this year. Um, will be the next head I test out on a hunt will be Exodus. All right. So I, I think they're pretty awesome. I got, I can send you some pictures. Uh, I have, the broadhead that hit the front shoulder of that elk mm-hmm. um, bent a blade and kind of dislodged it because they're removable blades that you can replace mm-hmm. and and dislodged it, but it held held intact. And I, you know, you're not going to shoot too many more difficult things than that front shoulder. So um, th- the second one I shot actually slice the rib bones hmm. when it when it passed through so i mean listen being new to archery i don't have a whole lot of experience i could tell you about <laughs> i could tell you about bullets a whole lot more uh but that excess broadhead is his one that i totally recommend it has kind of like the the chisel tip of it is so sharp it's almost like a cut on contact uh, broadhead but it but not yeah, yeah, I, I really like the thick blade designs and and kind of the bone crusher on the front there, and uh, I really I really do like the the design of those. And then um, I was actually talking with uh, Rad Archery through the, through the DMs. The um, I must must have been yesterday. Um, shout out to those guys. They, they developed a uh, head with Jason Phelps, and it kind of it doesn't look like a like a like an Exodus, but I really like the design of those too. I was thinking about trying. There's so many heads I want to try out this year. Thank God, oh, I'm going to Texas. Um, you know, it's just so many. I know it's it's overwhelming, especially as a new person trying to get into the market. Mm-hmm. Well, know, the the it, muzzy uh, hybrids whew, that's on my list. You know, there's there's a lot, and uh, especially since Oregon can use expandables this year, it's like, dude, I got my work cut out for me. So yeah, so my buddy from North Dakota, um, not not to knock any brands, so I won't say it, but he lost a deer on uh, an expandable in North Dakota and found it the next morning all eaten up by coyotes because his mm. broadhead never expanded. Ah, yeah. And, you know, that's that's a worry I have. That's why I was gonna, if I was going to go mechanical, I'd go hybrid. Yeah, right. That way you're guaranteed a little cut. Yeah. Yeah. Better than yeah. nothing. Yeah. Better than nothing. And over here, well, where you live too, it's a, it's a jungle over here on the coast, man. And I shot through a couple fur boughs uh, this year. They would be like the like the stem of the of the of the branches I shot were like maybe a little bit thicker than a cell phone charger, and yep. uh, didn't even deter me from shooting through them. Like I shot right through those things. Would a mechanical broadhead um, deploy? And from guys that have used them over east their whole lives, they're like, dude, you would have, yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> right. Like, okay. No. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. So don't I don't waste, know if I'd ever use Don't waste your out. opportunity. 
Yeah, it's just it's just another failure point, and you know you got guys that use them. I think better than guys. Um, you're always going to have guys that do a better job of utilizing their gear. So the guys that aren't having them open every year, they have they've had problems with every mechanical broadhead they've used. There's probably something on the user end of those. Um, the guys that have had rarities, you know, there's probably something there. But it's kind of funny how there's different different guys that have different perspectives. Because either they don't stay on top of what releases the mechanical or engages the mechanical broadhead, that little band like on a Rage. There's that yep. little collar. You know, those are like one and done, dude. You can't keep using those over and over again. It's just that's what's going to happen is one and done. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I take not opening with kind of with a grain of salt depending on how many failures that, that one hunter has had. Not that your buddy's had more than one failure or anything, but. Well, so my, my buddy is not, he wasn't a fan of expandables going into it, didn't trust them, but he went, he went turkey hunting with them and he <laughs> saw, and not that a turkey's anything like a ungulate, but he, he, he shot a turkey and he was blown away at the damage that they do. Yep. And so that, I, that's what he was like, okay, well, I'll try it on deer. All his buddies <laughs> shoot it and. And yeah, so. a lot of guys are using two light arrows with mechanicals, from from my understanding too. Um, you know, they 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 really cut down the penetration. So you need, you really do need a heavier arrow if you're going to use those. And and Oregon, I don't know how close you follow to it, but they cut the minimum bow poundage down and added um, uh, added mechanicals to the list of legal stuff. And I'm like, that's a that's you know that I think that's two wins. I, I'm I'm a fan for it, but coupled together, I you might be sending the wrong the wrong message there. So um. yeah, you know I, you know everyone's gonna always have an opinion. This is yeah. what I, what I've learned in life, and you are gonna have the person that couples low poundage with expandable, and they're gonna learn a hard lesson. Uh, but for the people that need that lower poundage because they have a bad shoulder or, you know, or people who just aren't as strong, uh, you know, that that's super beneficial. It is. Well, my deal is, is like how old are those freaking rules? Like we, we've had to update let off rules, right? We've had to update, um, rules as we go lighted knocks. And this is oh, one that I felt was way behind because a 50 pound or a 40 pound bow is more powerful than most bows that were made when that rule was made, you know, right. like they're just times have changed. You can get a great setup with 45 pounds or 40 pounds or whatever. And, you know, just granted, don't try and keep the speed, just go with the traditional style of thinking with arrow, um, you know, guys that want to shoot 40 pounds also want to shoot super fast and that, you know, you're basically a traditional archer. If you're shooting 40 pound compound, you need to be shooting like a 450 or heavier arrow. And that's completely my opinion. Um, you know, my buddy killed, my buddy's wife killed a, a bull with, I think a 380 grain or 300, it was like a 370 or 380 grain head shooting like 240. Mm -hmm. And uh, she smoked it at 30 yards. Yeah. You know, but so it's, it's so I don't know. Everybody's going to have an opinion and everybody's like all freaking out about it here. It's like, let's just give it a year. Let's find out, you know, we can't make all these claims without having anything to back it up on. And, uh, let's just see where it goes. Cause I, I was a proponent of making it legal and 
that kind of shocked a lot of guys because I bash on mechanicals um, every once in a while. I make fun of them, but you know they <laughs> do have their place. They do, and I and I will use them in certain situations. Like when I go to Texas, you bet your ass I'm going to have a mechanical. I'm I'll be shooting hogs down there, and that's going to be um, a time for me to shoot all sorts of different heads. I'll be shooting a different head probably at every animal. You know, yeah, right. Um, so. But yeah, so don't let me uh, don't let me take the conversation. Away no, from no, you know, I to, to just add to it, it's because of the opportunity. You know, why are you going to shoot so many different heads, or why are you even thinking about shooting an expandable? Is because of your opportunity at uh, at your quarry. You know, yeah. when you when you only have one elk tag, and you you know, for people to be successful, you have to spend you know ten days plus in the woods every year it's like well if you're going to run into animals throughout the day and night being in texas and stuff like that you know you might as well start trying out some different things yeah absolutely and you know i'm going to be using a legit head at least a, at least um a hybrid uh when i go down there for a whitetail because i think i have permission to shoot one whitetail um, and we have unlimited hogs, you know? So yeah, I, I'm excited to go out and test all those things. Cause I mean, it's going to be, you know, it, it's useful <laughs> for, for the guys that, you know, watch the content so, and um, I'm excited just to have more experience with more heads. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's so interesting. The, the debate over like iron wheel broadheads, the, the high, the high end ones where, they say, well, a pack of broadheads is 30 to 35 bucks, right? And how many of those are you going to have to buy year after year? Why not just buy a pack of three that's 100 to 120 and then just have it have a lifetime warranty and send it in to get sharpened and all that? Yeah. Well, with me, uh, I, once I use it's, one, it's I retire it, it um, if, if it kills something. Yep. So for me, that, w- that would be <laughs> – it's expensive. <laughs> 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 you dude you're killing oh, i'm not saying it. that i'm not saying that I, 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 that sounds so douchey <laughs> i'm just saying like every time i kill something i keep it and for me to keep like a hundred dollar or whatever a forty dollar broadhead it was like man that's just too much money <laughs> i oh yeah right. i wasn't yeah, saying like right. i go out and kill you know all of god's creation but that sounded that sounded bad <laughs> oh that's funny but uh so tell me tell me more about um so you, you got these guys together that you had a social engagement and stuff how many guys did you get to go to your first one yeah so so not having any hunting partners so it was really interesting well i've recruited two one guy i got him to uh take a hunter safety class with mm-hmm. me um but that was after I was already had a year of hunting experience. Um, the, the other one I met on offer up probably a couple of weeks after I killed my bear, I was selling some binos and he was selling a backpack. And it, I, I find this goes into the whole social media aspect, but you know, people are willing to sacrifice their lives and marriages to online dating. <laughs> Why can't we do the same for online hunting partners? Mm-hmm. So I built this relationship with this guy, um, who, who ended up being one of my best buds and, and now we hunt together, but I met him through, you know, offer up. If you're not familiar with it, it's kind of like a Craigslist, but it's app based. Hmm. Yeah. So, I've never heard of it. And I'm, I'm, 
Okay, so check it out. It's a great way to get some good deals. Cool. Okay. <laughs> but but I met my wife on Plenty of Fish. It's a free dating site, and it was love at first sight. We had our first date. I locked eyes. I was like, game <laughs> over. And and this year we'll be married six years, and we got uh, our third one on the way. I got two young boys, ages four and two. Wow. And we're living life. I'm loving it. That's pretty awesome. My but part. this was this was a part of the struggle where I'm like, dude, I'm trying to find someone who will take me hunting to teach me what I have obviously zero knowledge of. And it was hard to find someone that was willing to invest time into an adult. There's all these processes of take a kid fishing, take a kid hunting, but no one wants to take an adult hunting. Yeah, that's... And, exactly. and, <laughs> and so, so I'm like, all right, I, I'm going to have to do this myself. But now through that, I found a passion for wanting to help others. So getting it to your full, full circle question is that's how I started washing backcountry. ended up, uh, writing a book, which is not yet released yet should be coming out hopefully this summer or this fall. And how I started my website and blog, and we branched out into a YouTube channel, and all all sorts of different things, based off of uh, you know needing mentors. And so you asked how many people I had at my first event. I had probably fifteen people, but those fifteen people were people I didn't know. They just happened to follow my Washington Backcountry Instagram account, mm. and from that. From that opportunity, it has branched off to me being able to uh, get opportunities to hunt with other people, learn how to hunt different types of animals, and through my website, we've already been able, this this uh, rifle season this last year, we actually took a brand new hunter out, and a, a fellow adult um, who, four kids of his own, and you know, wants to learn how to hunt. And we were able to do that just, just because of uh, the social media aspect. So this last one uh, did in December, we had a little over 30 people. Wow. And, and to eventually I plan on getting these social events large enough that vendors would want to come in. We're going to be partnering with the department of fish and wildlife here in Washington for our next event, get some guest speakers and, get people together for a common cause and that common cause is to grow the sport of hunting period because it's life-changing and if you never have that opportunity to experience it you'll or have anyone say hey i'll take time and invest in you uh you're never gonna you know truly truly get that opportunity that's um, that's really cool that the fact that you're getting 30 guys in a room um off of an instagram channel and then actually being able to take them out, God, that's pretty cool, man. And then having the ODF or the ODF and the Washington, Idaho or the I, whatever fishing game over there, get into it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's you know kudos to you. That that couldn't have been easy. I mean, it's it's hard to get anybody. I mean, I I've been training the schedule the podcast I'm doing tomorrow for months, and uh, just getting three guys <laughs> together. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, people want to be a part of something. Exactly. People want to, people want to believe in something and the mission of trying to recruit hunters and mentor hunters, people can get behind. And so 
it, you know, I, I'm a school teacher, which I, I said earlier, but being a PE teacher specifically, if a kid does not have success within the first few times of trying something, they're going to give up mm-hmm. and they're, they're no longer going to pursue that. Well, why is mentorship in the private sector and business world so important? It's the same reason people need to grow and they need to learn. And we're not always taught everything by the parents that we have or the experiences that we learned growing up. So how do you learn those experiences? Well, by having mentors. So just like I'd have a mentor teacher teach me why classroom management is so important. The same reason goes why have a mentor for hunting? Well, because you'll never know how to find animals if you never understand what animals need food, water, shelter, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the concept of the triangle between they're not all going to be in the same area necessarily. And they're going to travel from one location to another. And why do they like having the wind at their back so they can smell what's behind them and see what's in front of them. And, you know, all that stuff that took me five to six years to learn because I didn't have a mentor versus the small things that you can do to tell people and teach people to help them have more success and find passion and the ripple effect. You know, I now am a hunter and have two kids and a third on the way, whether my kids want to hunt or not, they're now going to have the skill to be able to. And the ripple effect is huge, man. Well, I'll tell you the, the lessons that can be learned out there as well. Um, it's very similar to sports. I mean, tenacity, sticking with it, teamwork. I mean, there's so many good lessons that can be learned out in the woods growing up hunting that you can't, that you can get at other places, but you're also getting so much more than that too. Um, all the memories, right. all the stuff and, and failure for one, how to deal with failure, how to stay positive. I mean, it took you four years to kill your first big game animal and that's pretty darn cool. I mean, that's, you know, it took, uh, I think, what was it, Cameron Haynes was saying, it took him like 11 years to kill his first bull or something like that. And the guy's, the guy's a yeah. killer. And um, granted, yeah, he's doing a lot of it on, on you know, private land now, but that's because he's earned it, you know. I mean, the guy could, I'm still, right. I, I'm sure that guy could go out to his old spots out in Oregon and probably kill an, an elk or a buck. And um, it, there's just a lot, of, lot to be learned outside of and then you add in the meat. I mean, there was a post the other day on Instagram. Uh, I forget whose it was. It was actually Cameron Haynes. This guy was just shitting all over Cameron's post, and and uh, he, you know he's got his mob on there and stuff. And and so he the other guy was getting hammered, but <laughs> you know he's like, why do you need to kill four elk a year when you know you're not? Gonna you know what? I I almost brought this exact post up earlier in our conversation on this podcast. Yeah. yeah why do you need to kill four? It's like, well, the meat's going to every you know it's going to people in need. Yeah. You know, it, but continue on. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Well, the guy about. said, you know, 600 pounds of meat comes off an elk. I'm like, what in the hell? Elk? Where are you hunting, brother? Because I, I want to know where these giant, you know, 1,800-pound elk are because I, <laughs> I get, you know, 200 to uh, 300, if I'm lucky, uh, pounds of meat, you know, off of – because that's probably a 900-pound animal. You think that, you know, a third of the animal's total overall weight on average is meat then you yep. know where 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 are you yeah. getting 600 pounds of meat you idiot and uh <clears throat> i don't think he was uh, i don't think he was uh, he's ever killed an elk in his life so he was talking out his ass but um 
you know, that, you know, that is a good question. The guy did have a good point, even though his facts were messed up. You know, we need as hunters to be able to articulate why we are going out and killing these multiple. Why do I need to go to Africa and feel the need to shoot animals? Why do I need to go travel multiple different states and go hunting? You know, why? And there is a good reason for that. And for guys that get pissed off at those kind of questions, I feel like they don't have a good answer. And so, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be at, you know, trolls do come with a territory. You know, a lot of times they are douchebags, but a lot of times they are, you know, a yeah. lot of times they are not asking good questions, but sometimes when we get a guy that's asking a legit I, question like that, um, you know, and, and the guy was a hunter, he just wasn't an elk hunter. So, and, yeah. and for me, it's because right. it's not all, it's, for me, it's not always about the meat. And I say that almost, I, I guess probably all the time, you guys are probably sick of me hearing, you know, that question is what, you know, why, why do you like Toyotas? Why do you like the color blue? Well, it's never one thing, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's always a, a, a collage of reasons that make it to why you love something. Well, my, you know, I love the color blue because I don't know. I just love the color blue. You know, I love hunting because there's so many different facets to what it provides me on top of the meat. Yeah. Why I like to go do that. And Cameron Haynes he nailed the answer with, you know, well, I eat this many, this much meat. The average American eats this much meat per year. I have five people in my household that equals more than meat than, than I'm consuming on just those elk that just squashed that guy's answer right there. Um, but I felt like there was a whole aspect that was missing from that conversation of, well, it's just more than meat, man. I mean, you, you can't put, you can't, yeah. for a guy that had a bull bugle at him close to him this year, what's that worth? Oh, dude, you, you can't put a price tag on it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the whole, like that going on with the conversation that was on that post was, you know, you know, a trophy, trophy hunting, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'll tell you what, in some cultures, there's uh there's a saying that people die three times. Have you ever heard this before? Okay. So the first time a human dies is the, when they learn that they're mortal. So whatever, whatever age that comes at, you know, when they learn that they're not going to live forever, that's the first, first death they die. Mm -hmm. The second one is when they physically die. And the third one is when they're, uh, name is never spoken of ever again. That's when the person dies the very third really? time. Huh. And, and I feel like in hunting, you know, why do you, why do you want to shoot the biggest bull? Well, it's not that I'm after the biggest bull because I'll shoot a cow. I'll shoot, you know, well, I'll shoot whatever's legal, but, but why? Because I am going to honor that animal and stare at those antlers and keep the life of that animal alive for as long as I have that ability to. Hmm. And, and so I feel like that kind of answers that trophy hunting mentality of not that, you know, trophy hunting, the meat is the trophy. Let's just get that straight. But, you know, every time I look at my antlers of that elk, I get chills and it brings me back to that spot in my mind of where I was when I, when it all went down. That's a really good point, and I've never heard that perspective before. I'm probably going to have to steal 
some of what you said there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Please do. But, you know, for, for me, and like you said, you know, the meets the trophy, you know, that that's a great perspective. But when you start getting into Wolves, then that, that wouldn't work. And I just, yeah. you know, it's – it goes back to it's never one thing, and I agree. I mean, for me, if I if I wasn't getting any meat off of an elk, um, I'd still be out there with a call and a reed and my pack, and I'd still be going after those bugles, even if I couldn't shoot them. I mean, if hunting wasn't right. even a thing. Yeah. There's places in the state of Washington that are illegal to hunt, but you can go and just uh, recreate on them for hiking purposes that are some of the best uh, elk hunting in the state and so just going there with a bugle during the rut you'll have some fantastic experiences yeah you know and 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 that can change lives absolutely and uh i i know i really i really enjoyed that perspective you just shared man that i've never heard that one and uh that that for me the keeping the animal's memory alive because if that thing gets eaten you know as first by a freaking wolf or a cougar no one's going to remember that thing and if you think about times that people find john doe or jane doe we even have a term for it it really hits people hard because like well no one's going to remember who that was or no one's going to know who that was well for people that like to personify animals hey there you go <laughs> no one's ever going to know who that animal or what that animal was or you know anything about it so right if you want to personify animals right. there you go you can have jane does out there dying all over the place out in the woods <laughs> yeah and you know as far as the like whole wolf comment you know you can't always hunt prey without keeping the balance alive if we're true conservationists right exactly so you have you have to keep the the everything in check and so you know you can't have you can't have your cake and, and eat it too if you're you're worried about calories. <laughs> exactly, and, and there is a territory with with honey. You know, it's it's a shame what happened with the grizzly bears. It's a shame with what's happened with a lot of the wolves being, you know, protected the way they are, and and it's just, you know, social issues. And I think Ranella put it the other way. It's it's a shame when social issues bleed into the data and scientific management part of of wildlife. You know, and that's that that quite right. or that that statement so spot on. I mean, you, you couldn't, I couldn't put it better myself. So, um, so I want to, yeah. speaking of, um, I think Renaila, you said, uh, off, off the podcast that he read your book. Yeah. So, um, this is all, I feel like a part of the journey of what Washington backcountry's mission is, is trying to be in, in what I'm working towards is, uh, so, take you back on the timeline, uh, August, 2017, I shoot my first big game animal. I hike out. I learn about archery elk hunting, uh, learn about the born and raised outdoor series. I decided to start my own, uh, Instagram account called Washington Backcountry, learning, learning how to hunt, buy a bow and decide I want to write a book about my experience because, you know, it's not archery hunting, but when you learn about how I shot my bear in front of, uh, three day hikers <laughs> from Seattle, two of them, uh, one being a yoga instructor and their two male students, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I have some experiences that are story worthy that need to be written down and shared. Uh, an interesting and dynamic. so I was like, I'm, <laughs> 
<laughs> and, you know, all this being said nine miles back is like, that's a long ways to go for a day hike. Yeah. And so, uh, so I write this book and uh, I have always known about backcountry hunters and anglers. And I'm like, well, they're having a pint night. Uh, I, I need to go and I need to network and I need to meet other hunters. And, but this is already after I chose to like create the logo and start, uh, writing the book and whatnot. So, but I didn't, this was March, April of last year, 2018. And so I go there and I see Steve Ranella cause he was living in Seattle at the time. And I'm like, Oh yeah, baby. And I try to capitalize on opportunities because just like that elk, you're not presented with too many opportunities in your life. And so knowing that I already had him quoted, I quoted uh, some of the things that he has said about hunting in my book. I went up and started talking with him. I was like, Hey man, I just want to let you know, I really appreciate what you've done. Um, I'm a brand new hunter. I'm writing a book about um, my journey of becoming a hunter as an adult and about mentorship. And I'm quoting you in it. And I just want to say thank you. And so we started chatting a few more minutes. And obviously it's like having Michael Jordan in the room. If you're a <laughs> basketball sports fan, you know, everyone wants a piece mm -hmm. of them. And so just like real briefly, he gave me a couple minutes and I was like, Hey, you know, uh, would you mind reading it for me? Would you be, would you be okay? Uh, checking it out give me your perspective. And he was like, yeah, you know, how far along are you? Blah, blah, blah. He goes, e email the meat eater website and let them know that you met me. And I said that I was going to check out your book. And so I sent him a manuscript and uh, he ended up mailing it back to me with uh, a little review hmm. that I can use for the back of the book. And you know, it's just, it's special. So you he know? gave you a good review. Be yeah, he gave me he gave me a review. He said he said I this is exactly uh the thing that a new hunter is going to need to hear. Really? That's pretty inspiring, man. And pretty motivating. Like that's you're sending cuz he's a writer and he's very articulate. And right. Man, that'd be <laughs> that's like man, that's really putting yourself in front of somebody that could really chop you up, you know? I mean, not that he would, but <laughs> that had to be intimidating. Yeah, well, well, I think with starting like the Instagram account and different things, you have to be okay with being vulnerable. You know, like the question, Cam Haynes getting questioned on why does he kill four elk? People are going to ask you questions. You got to be okay with being able to defend your stance and articulate it well enough to, to have people understand and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to give him my book and hopefully he likes him. And if he doesn't, well, then I got some work ahead of me. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I forget who it was. I was approached a while ago and I don't think it was by you, but the guy was wanting me to write like blogs or, um, and I honestly couldn't even tell you exactly what a blog is. Um, you might have to clear that up for me. What is it? What exactly is a blog? And for guys that are listening to this, excuse my ignorance here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I actually run a blog uh, on my website at wabackcountry.com. A blog is more or less uh, whatever the author wants it to be. So, I've actually thought about 
releasing my book chapter by chapter on my blog hmm. uh, for people to for people to read. A blog is it could be all gear reviews. It could be people's opinions. It's like a newspaper and a magazine put into one with whatever the purpose behind it is. Hmm. But in today's world, you know, everything knowledge wise is digital. And so it just becomes another resource that is free for people to go to, to get information. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. So like a newspaper slash, um, what did you say? It was a newspaper slash, Magazine. magazine okay that that is something i can i can attach a blog to okay that that helps sum it up for yeah. me okay so you, you um yeah you, so. you had me submit something um <laughs> and and long, yeah, long so. story short you could probably tell i told that guy no <laughs> i am not a writer <laughs> and uh probably by my responses on there he could like yeah <laughs> like <laughs> I, I like I like words um, spoken more than written because that's that's not my strength, man. So uh, for guys that can uh, articulate stuff on paper, um, you know, more power to you. I just don't have that ability, and that's exactly why I do a podcast and YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, you know, the the different media's are important because you know everyone's a different. They like to learn in different different manners. Like for example my commute to work is I is less than a mile <laughs> from my driveway to my work. And so I actually don't get to listen to many podcasts, mm-hmm. but I have the ability to go to websites and YouTube channels uh, at different times. You know, I can sit down on a couch and watch something while my kids play with toys rather than me have headphones on or have a podcast going on in the background that just drowns out. Yeah. But, you know, so that's uh, part of why I branched out to YouTube and actually plan on launching a, a podcast this coming year also. Really? That's pretty freaking cool. Is it going to be basically about what yeah. we've been talking about now? <clears throat> yeah, every, everything is all around mentorship and recruitment. Okay. Um, so it's uh, going to be the Hunting 101 podcast. Okay. And, and it's going to, you know... Washington backcountry only has as much reach as people care about the state of Washington right. or the Pacific Northwest yeah, you're pigeonholing yourself or even, or, or even backcountry. I mean, I only called it that because I was in the backcountry when it happened. It's more of a, a starting point than it is like, do I bird hunt? Yeah. Do I, you know, you don't find turkeys in the backcountry all the time. <laughs> And yet I'll go turkey hunting. So it's like not every hunt's a backcountry hunt. Right. It's just an origination of where it came from. But uh, it's another way to just get my message out across state lines. You know, someone in Tennessee is going to be like, you know, searching for podcasts. And be like, oh, man, hunting. Oh, okay, hunting 101. Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than why would someone in the East Coast care about Washington? Yeah, you know, you. I was going to say is if you're, if you're going to have a podcast, um, you don't want to bottleneck yourself right off the bat with the title of the podcast. So, right. Um, right. so you have an active YouTube page too, huh? Yeah, I have an active YouTube page. So we just launched our website and blog in June of 2018. Um, so, uh, been doing a couple different blog series started 
the podcast idea came off of uh, the blog series that I started, which is Hunting 101 series, where uh, everyone that that is new to hunting that ever talks to me, and I have the exact same questions, is the first one is where can you hunt? Really? And the second is how, how do you find animals? So I grew up backpacking, and I use public lands all the time. But I didn't realize the same trails that I use to go swim in an alpine lake or a mountain stream are the same trails that you could carry a bow and a gun on and go, you know, hunting. Hmm. So the the concept, I feel like, is missed. Like, people talk about public lands like, oh, yeah, public lands. But when it comes to someone never hunting, I don't think they understand that you are sharing that exact space. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. Uh, like when those, when you walked into those 30 hikers, I mean, and they, they were right. This is our public land too, <laughs> you know? Yep. And so that's just, you know, the message to share, uh, you know, how to find animals, you know, and I, I always was frustrated with people not being okay with taking me hunting because they don't want to give up their spot mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. And in my book, I, I write about the unwritten rules of hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's an ethics code that is unspoken of in the hunting world. And for people that are new to it, they have no idea about it. Yeah, like Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> he did a podcast with <laughs> right, John Dudley, exactly. and I think he struck a chord, um, not a good chord, with the hunting community. Like, dude, it's not your grand. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, you didn't have to grow up. Um, finding these areas and hunting these areas. I'm like, you're talking from a, from a perspective of a guy that doesn't understand because he hasn't had to deal with it, you know, um, right. when it, regarding right. public lands. But he did have a good, he did have yeah. a good point and, as well where, you don't, you know, you don't own the land. You can't kick somebody out of a public land spot just because your tree stands there, you know? I mean, yep. so he did yep. have a point, but very, very, uh, you know, kind of a, I don't know how to, how to even put it, but it wasn't a very educated, um, in my opinion, it was a, a very basic. Well, so the reason why I mentioned the guy's archery shop who sold me the bow, uh, was not because I'm trying to get business for his bow shop, but because when I bought the bow was the same time I decided to write a book and I was talking to him about, about hunting and, and my, my story and journey. And he was like, and he was the one who told me about the unwritten code. Oh, really? <laughs> and he was like, listen, yeah. I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And he was like, you know, I had someone mentor me, but I have never hunted with my mentor. He took me to all his locations and told me why he loves hunting where he does but he also told me I'm never allowed to go back there <laughs> and that I need to find, find, find my own spots and, and whatnot. And, you know, not everyone's a trustworthy person, but the hope is, is that humanity in, uh, is innately good and would follow rules like that. Yeah. You know, when I, when I take um, somebody out, uh, we talked a bit about this, me and Brad Luttrell talked about this is, uh, you know, if I take somebody out there, there's, there is, kind of strings attached to it and i say that i mm-hmm. say that tongue-in-cheek because you know it's not like you owe me what it is is let's have a mutual respect here because if i show you something somewhere 
I expect you to let me know when you hit it up, when you hit that spot. So I'm not coming in there right behind you. Or if you shot something out of there, like something I was going for, there needs to be some sort of communication there because yeah. now I'm sharing my spot with somebody that comes with a territory and yeah, don't take other people to this spot without running it by me first, because that's kind of a douchey thing to do. I mean, yeah, there, there will be strings attached. Uh, if I take you to a spot and there will be accountability, you know, like if you screw me on that spot, you know, I'll still be your friend, but good luck, you know, good luck, man. Go find your own. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So one of the really cool experiences that I had this last year was when I got to take the brand new hunter out, um, I met with him beforehand and I was explaining to him the basics. And telling them, I was like, all right, so this is what animals, this is what you need to look for to find animals. Um, this is, all, you know, public land. And this is our general area that we're going to be hunting. And he actually was able to find where we were hunting before we even got there. Mm. And I, I felt like that was a success because I didn't take him there and show him but I gave him the knowledge to go out and figure it out on, on his own. Okay. And not everyone's always going to agree with me on that. And obviously I, I might've had the area narrowed down a whole lot more than like an entire state or a, a region of a state, but, but I was proud of him. I was like, all right, good. Now you just got to understand how regulations work and all that. But, but, you are already on top of being able to find places to hunt and where to find animals within that. That's, you know, and that's half the battle. I mean, part of the battle is, is wading through all the hype of products and companies marketing to you and, and claiming this, claiming that and figuring out what spine and all that. If you're archery hunting, that's such a, a big, I mean, it sounds like it's not a big deal to, to a, an experienced hunter, but I remember when I started out, it was like, dude, there's so many, like it's harder than just going out and picking a bullet, you know, and the other right. side of that coin. And I think it's even harder is, uh, you know, putting in the time in the woods to find out what the elk or whatever animal you are doing based on what the needs are for that time of year. And then finding out where they go when they get pushed, finding out, you know, the, the dynamics of a hot cow when she's in heat, how often do they go in heat thermals? There's so many things that, that go into that it's it it could be overwhelming it, it is overwhelming for somebody you know what what really yeah. when i only get i only get frustrated and i think this is probably true for a lot of folks is when i have a failure and i don't know why because then i cannot improve yes and yes exactly yeah, that to me is the definition of yeah. frustration and you know i i i don't mind failing if i can figure out how to better myself from it. But for guys that are going out there and they're failing and they're not getting in animals, you know, there's having somebody say, Hey, this is why that is so yeah. valuable. And, uh, I even, th I yeah. even thought about having a challenge. Um, just listening to you talk, it reminded me of something I forgot. Uh, last year I was trying to come up with a thing to get hunter recruitment up. And, um, I was like, let's have a challenge, like take a new hunter out challenge. Cause my, my little brother has never shot anything. Um, although he has gone hunting uh -huh. and I thought it would be cool to, but then I'm like, that's not going to work. And if somebody gets shot off my challenge, I'm not going to be, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it just, I kind of scared myself out of it, but 
Um, yeah. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad that somebody took that and, and is running with it. It's, it's, it's really refreshing to see that because I was wondering, I'm like, well, how are guys taking guys out hunting without showing them their spots? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's ways, you know, but like you said, you know, if you don't know what you're doing wrong, you'll never know how to improve exactly. it. And, and this hit me, shoot, this, was, this hit me probably last winter. I was coyote hunting. I was doing a little predator hunting in, in the winter months and, and I looked down and I saw a coyote track and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So this comes from the newbies perspective where if you go into the woods, you're going to find animals. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you don't find any sign of the animals you're pursuing, you're not going to see them in the first place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I know we're going, we're regressing a ton on, you know, the archery topic, but, it just blows me away. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, people don't have to be scared of the woods. You're not, you're not going to just run into animals all the right. time. You know, it's, it's hard enough to go search for them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so tell me about your podcast. Like when do you actually plan on starting this thing up? Oh man, I actually so I plan on recording the first one uh, this Sunday uh, with my hunting buddies and we're, it's going to be an introduction to the Washington backcountry team and the experiences of how they uh, became hunters. So it's, it's taking hunting 101 is the concept, you know, kind of like what Corey Jacobson's doing with elk 101, not to copy them, but, but the, the title of it is it allows you to go any direction. We could, Gareth, Here's my invitation. Would you like to be on my oh. podcast? <laughs> yeah, hell, hell yeah. I'll, be, I'll come on to this show. I don't right? know if I'll be I'll, I'll throw off so, much. <laughs> oh, come on. You're get you come on. Talk about archery. Talk about hunting. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's the details. The details is what gives separation. Yeah, I mean, you I, know, it allows people to make to make growth. Yeah, I mean, I'm always down to help people, man, and that's really you know, what do you do? Guys ask me sometimes, you know, what do you do? What are you about? And anymore, it's like just the simplest thing is I help people, <laughs> you know, that's, that's basically what I'm about now. Yeah. I mean, I, I help people hunting and stuff like that. And I used to be, well, I do this, I do that, I do this. And it's just, you know, narrowing that down to just helping people has really, I felt like that's actually helped me grow a lot. Um, just having yeah. a clear defined purpose hunting and helping people along the way. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> so, so, so using like my te- my teacher terminology mm-hmm. is a student knows how to do something. They math, they have mastered that skill when they know how to teach it to others. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, there's a way to put that, um, teaching is the mother of all learning or something like that. Or, uh, what's that quote? I, I forget, but I totally understand that. Cause for me, if I like for safety stuff, if I have to give a safety talk, I and I don't know anything about it, you can bet your ass I'm going to be learning everything I can, so I can go into that, you know, <laughs> equipped to go out and help people with the right information. So, yep, yeah, like, hey, why do you do this? Oh, I don't know. I've always done it. Rather than, well, this is actually why you do it for this example. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Or <laughs> the. Um, are you know, the uh, unbounded pursuit guys um, part of that 
hunting crew at all, or um, are they going to um, make an appearance at all on there? Oh, I, I think I'm definitely going to be having AJ from Unbounded Pursuit on the podcast. That's cool. To be honest, the thing that I don't want to do is is I don't want to to make what we do unreachable by people. Mm. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You know, I want I want a podcast to be your everyday Joe to your celebrities in the hunting industry um, because you can learn from everyone. Right. Don't, don't be too prideful to, to allow yourself to learn from someone who is new to the game. Absolutely. And you know, fresh perspective is fantastic. I, I totally agree with that. And, and uh, to further that, I will also say that guys are, I'm not going to say they're tired of hearing the same voices over and over and over again on podcasts. But uh, one of the things that guys really like is hearing new people that they haven't heard before on podcasts. Um, so for guys right. that are looking at starting a podcast, you don't have to get big names on there. Does it help? Sure. Yeah, it helps, you know, especially if the person, you know, helps promote it, you know, while they're on the show and stuff. But I'll, I'll say having genuine conversations with, with guys that are out there just like they are listening to the podcast, I there's a lot to be said about that and guys are hungry to listen to those over guys talking about the same thing for the 50th time on the 20th podcast. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I, you know, the, the hunting world and just hunting in general, man, it's so life changing for what it can do for a person that I have so much passion for it. I just want to share it with ev everyone and others. And, you know, it's like, uh, it's, I, I don't know if you've ever had this opportunity in your life, but when you learn something new and you love it, you want all your buddies to do it with you, right? <laughs> yep. Like, Oh dude, you, you got to come do this with me. This is freaking yep. awesome. Or you find a restaurant that has really good food. What do you do? You tell everyone and you want them to go mm -hmm. eat there. Why? Because it's, because it, it impacted you enough for you to go out and, and spread the good right. news. And so that's, that's what hunting has done for me and why I want to give back as much as, as much as possible. That's cool, man. And, and, uh, if you ever need any help along the way, just reach out. I'm happy to, happy to come onto the show and, and help you wherever I can. So. Oh, I appreciate that, Garrett. Well, you're an awesome person. Oh. <laughs> you, you, uh, your podcast has been beneficial to me, uh, in, in multiple ways. And, and I continue to look forward to what you, what you're well, doing. Thanks, man. That really means a lot to me. Is there any, is there anything that you want to finish on for, for closing thoughts? Oh man, that's, that's great. I would like to say that, um, if anyone ever hears this podcast and wants someone who will reach out to them for direction and a little bit of guidance, uh, to don't be afraid to reach out to Washington backcountry on Instagram and you can also get a hold of us on our website at wabackcountry.com um, everything goes directly to me and and I'll I'll get back to you because like I said I'm I'm here with a mission and a purpose and I'd be selling myself short and doing everyone a disservice if I don't live up to that. Yeah. And for guys that are, you know, there's a lot of value in exactly what you're doing, getting these groups together and actually getting guys time in the field with guys that know what they're doing. 
I don't know anybody else that's doing that. You know, like a lot of guys are willing to give, like me, are willing to give information, but I'm not willing to take every Tom, Dick, and Harry out. You know, like I, first of all, I don't have the time, yeah. I don't have the resources, and I don't have enough spots. And so, what what you no. put together here is uh, is really special, in my opinion, and I and I commend yeah. you for doing that. I I appreciate that, and I think the last final thought that I have would be for uh, people to learn about our social events when they're going to happen and show up to them, make a point because it's no one there is going to know each other. And it's a lot of it's an introduction. Like, Hey, what's your social media account? name? <laughs> oh, you're that person, uh-huh. you know, you know, so like my personal account name on, on Instagram is Reverend night train. Well, no one's ever going to know <laughs> what the heck. Yeah. So uh, so as a, every teacher has a part-time job and I'm a DJ for weddings and parties. And so I named myself DJ night train and then I got ordained <laughs> to do weddings and, and, and marry people. So I'm Reverend night. That's train so now. funny. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh. but, but the whole, but the whole point is I've had more people say to me, Hey, do you know anyone that wants to learn how to Turkey hunt? Do you know anyone that wants to do this? Have you duck hunted? Do you want to learn how? all because of my social event. That's pretty cool. So if it's a lot easier to have someone take you hunting when you've met them face to face and you've gotten the chance to talk and it's a lot easier. It's not like a blind date. You're all there for the exact same purpose. Hmm. You know, everyone in that room is there because they want to be there, not because they're forced to be there. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than a volunteer army, man. Yep. So, well, thanks, uh, John, for coming on to the podcast. I, I, I think it was a great conversation and, uh, really enjoy following you on your, on your, your journey to grow. And, you know, we just had another, uh, new, po- uh, bow hunter on here as well. And, uh, guy, like you said, people love following along on a journey and, uh, you know, there's a lot to be, to be said about your journey and, and helping others along the way. I, I think it's really cool. And if you guys uh, want to go check them out, give them your contact information one more time. Yeah. So uh, my name is Johnny Mack. I run the Instagram account, Washington Backcountry, And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, but Instagram is going to be the main account. We also have a YouTube channel, uh, but our website is wabackcountry.com, W-A as in Washington, uh, backcountry.com. And it's all ways to get information. We got some blog series that are going on as far as uh, how to learn how to hunt, follow our journey, and just some, some other tips and tactics to, to help you on your way. Well, give them, give them so, your Instagram handle thanks. as well. Oh, so my the Instagram handle you can find us at Washington underscore backcountry. Okay, perfect. My yeah yeah. So all right, man. Well, hey, I, but, I really uh, really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to coming on to your podcast and seeing where where it goes. Oh heck yeah! Hey, I look forward to hunting with you sometime in one of your locations. <laughs> come on down, man! I'm just no, kidding. no, come on down. You got to return the favor for me. I've never hunted Washington, so. <laughs> oh man, dude! Hey, well, if you want to come on up, we'll we'll put you on some Perfect. animals. All right, brother. Well, you have a great night, and I appreciate you coming on. All right, Garrett. Thank All you, right. bud. See Take ya. care.
All right, guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. Johnny, thanks for doing what you do, man. It was a great episode. I enjoyed having you on. I look forward to coming on to your podcast and seeing that thing grow and seeing the impact that you can make for new hunters. For guys that want to get more involved with the podcast, again, uh, you can give five-star reviews on iTunes. That absolutely does help grow the podcast. Uh, you can go to the onpointpodcast.com. For guys that want to buy on-point gear, stickers, decals, uh, shirts are still (laughs) out of stock, so I apologize about that. But also, it's a content hub where it has links to my YouTube channels and to iTunes and stuff like that. So depending on where you're listening to this, uh, onpointpodcast.com is basically the central hub for everything. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a great way to support by going on there and buying the hats. Uh, for guys that want to go even further, uh, you're welcome to go to www.patreon.com slash onpointpodcast and actually become a patron of the show. And you get exclusive, um, basically, insider uh, information into the podcast. You get to steer the conversation, have a say of how the conversation goes. And uh, it really does make a huge difference. We've got a few guys on there that have been getting their questions asked. And they're still, it's still growing. There's, there's still a small number of patrons. So the guys that are, that are asking the questions are getting all the benefit right now. So it's a great way to become closer to the show, closer to me. You get better, more access to me. If you guys want to have your questions answered, you want to talk to me more, um, I, I absolutely am on there all the time and making sure that the, the patrons are taken care of. So I appreciate everybody listening to this thing. I am really enjoying growing this thing, and thanks for following along the journey. I'll see you on the next one. Bye.